So you all are now going to get subjected to me. I told Bernadette that um, <laughs> I'm not going to follow anything because we are at the absolute core of the Christian faith today. Like, like it could not be any bigger. Like if we just get today right, like the rest of this, forget it. I don't even care. Like you are in if we can get today right. Because we're only going to deal with like the hugest questions. Who is God? And what does he want with me? And then what is my response to that? Like, that is everything. That is, that is it. And unfortunately, we end up walking into this thing called the Trinity. Which, like most priests, like on Trinity Sunday, don't even want to touch it. <laughs> there's, there's a phrase that if you spend too much time in the Trinity, you quickly end up in heresy. So, like, what do I mean? So, we're going to try to unpack that. I'm going to tell you what I mean by all of that. But my first question for you all is, let's just start with God. Can we, can anybody tell me, can anybody define God? An all-powerful, ever-existing being outside of space and time. Okay, I love the start of that. I really do. I love the outside of space and time. I think that's really huge for us. But you were describing some characteristics. Person, yeah, personal, loving. Okay. Compassion, love. Okay. So now you've got some actions rather than descriptions. I like that. Anybody else? Creator. So again, that's an action word, something that was done. I love it. God is love. Like everybody knows that. I do want to spend some time, let's spend some time unpacking that. So let me tell you some things that God is not. Anybody in here math? Does anybody have you know, math degree? Was algebra, oh, was algebra anybody's favorite class, right? Oh, yes. You guys are like sitting next to each other. You're going to like, and when coffee comes up, it's like, oh, we got new friends. Okay. Right? Like, it's always X, right? Whatever the unknown is, it's X. Like, we're going to put that in the equation X. We're going to figure out what X is. In theology, God is X. God is, God is the unknown. Like, all the rest of this stuff explains X. But, but we have to get our hands kind of around X. Like, what is it? And we can go to Scripture to start to find that out. When we talk about the Trinity, right, the three-person God is Christianity. It, it is our definition. I'm guessing that all of you know exactly this book and you've all read it, right? This is like everybody's best friend, except for the fact that it's like 800 pages, right? Has anybody uh, started Mike Schmidt's you know, catechism in a year? I mean, tell you, you know, as somebody that's going through formation and, and, and do this, right? The two things like we've come to the conclusion, like you cannot get up and preach if you haven't listened to the Bible in a year 
And you can't go out and preach if you haven't listened to the catechism in the year. Like Mike Schmidt is changing the way that we think and understand and interpret some of this stuff. But this book is awesome. Four parts. We start with the creed. And I get to come back, I think, unless you like decided after today that, no, he's, he's out. Um, I get to come back. The creed, right? What do we believe? And by the way, if I have enough time and I talk fast enough, which by the way, I can talk really fast, raise your hand, tell me to go slow. Um, we're going to actually kind of start with a little bit of that today because what we believe is what we're unpacking today. It becomes the basis. Then we go to the sacraments, right? God's gift to us because of what we believe and who he is. And then our response to him. What, what do we do because of that? Right? These are the four things she told me I had to cover today. Like, the catechism just does it. If you guys would have just read that, we wouldn't even be here. You just had to get through 800 pages. That's it. How about, we got to go, like, triple fast on, on Schmidt to order to get through that and, like, you know, right? And then the last is prayer, right? How do we continue in relationship with our God? The four parts of the catechism, lots and lots of pages. It's just those four things. And so we're unpacking the first portion of this today, that creed, right? God is love. Where do we get that? First John. First John, John's epistle, 4, 8. God is love. Okay, now I'm going to get just a teensy bit geeky on you guys. I apologize. I am a geek. I will introduce you to my three children. They will sign affidavits <laughs> that I am a geek. You have to look at that epistle in Greek because in English we just have one word love oh I love you oh I love Bishop's pie right I love that the Braves are winning right now right like we said this one the Greeks have lots of words and John uses a specific word he uses the word agape not eros not love of a, of, a, of a spouse, right? A, a romantic love, a love where our heart yearns and aches, right? Not philia, not you know, the friendship love. He uses agape. And agape, because we've only got love in English, right? It doesn't actually come back very well. We can't do it. Agape love is love that loves for no reason at all other than it just loves. It wants nothing back. It is, I want the good for you because it is the good for you. Everything that I can say about you, I love and I want for you. That's it. Agape has nothing that comes back. And so the easiest way for us to think about this, and, and several folks have done this, Father uh, Mike Himes, love the man, unfortunately he passed away. He's a theologian from uh, Boston College passed away about two years ago, um, he uses the term self-gift. And we see that a lot in kind of our, our 20th and 21st century discussions about the Trinity, but self-gift, it is giving everything. I hope that I love my wife perfectly in agape, that I just want what is best for her. I just want her to be able to get into heaven. And if I get her to heaven then my love is complete. I've done what 
I wanted to do. God is that love. I would say there's no greater gift that you could do than to lay down your life for another because all I want is the good for you. I don't matter. That, that is God is love. God is that action, that giving, that surrender of all to the other. Now, we had in our discussions of what is God, right, we were talking about verbs, actions. That kind of love is an action. And that kind of love implies a relationship. Like you've got to have the other in order to love like that. And so now we're getting a little bit about what God has revealed to us about himself. First thing about the Trinity, you'll never get it right. You can't. Because we can't get our poor little three-dimensional live-in-this-world thing right. When you said, you know, outside of time and space, right? Like, we can't even possibly kind of even broach that, that, that threshold to get there. We can't get that right. But that is what he wants us to know about himself. So he starts to reveal some aspects so that we have an idea. So to think of God as action rather than some person, some thing, now we're starting to get to think a little bit closer to that. This is going to circle its way all the way back, in essence, to us, right? Because I've not only who is God, but then why are we here? So God is in relationship, continuous self-giving. So when we start with that Trinitarian thought process, Father self-giving completely to the Son, the Son completely self-giving all back to the Father again, each emptying themselves continuously of all in a love that goes forever, that has always been, that will never, ever cease. And the Holy Spirit proceeds from that amazing, great love. Right? That's about as far as we can probably get our hands on any of this. Because that's all that God has kind of let us know, that that is who he is. He is that love. But that love has such great consequences for us. So, you're hearing me talk an awful lot. Let me ask you all some questions. Has it, have you heard aspects of this before? And when you hear it does, it, does it make sense? Does it resonate with your heart? Or do you still kind of struggle some of that, sometimes with that? See, I can drink coffee while you all think. It resonates, but I think there's a part of, like, you have to trust God and have faith. And, you know, there's, there's a mystery there that you're just not going to fully understand. God is mystery. Yes. And not that Agatha Christie, if we get enough facts, we can figure it out and realize that it was the butler that did it kind of mystery. You know, one thing that you can, you can think about is, who are you? Can, you? can you tell me who you are? And if you try to do that, right, you start with some of the things that you've done, some of the things that you like. But even if you sit for a little bit on your own, you start to realize, I, 
I can't tell you all. I, I am still a mystery to myself. Have you ever caught yourself saying, why in the world did I do that? <laughs> why in the world did I say that? Like married couples, oh my gosh, like that's like number one question. We can't even explain. So if we are mystery to ourselves, <laughs> and then we think that we're going to get our hands around God, but you're spot on, right? There is, there is a faith that comes back to us, which is why Bernadette said that the gospel today was so perfect. In all of Matthew's gospels, do you know how many people Jesus says, you have great faith? One, you met her today. Interestingly, it wasn't any of the apostles. <laughs> Remember, last week, Peter just got chastised for having little faith. He got four steps out of the boat and started to sink. The reason that Jesus needed to bring these disciples to this place to meet this woman is because he's running out of time. He's like, oh, for heaven's sakes. You need great faith. And she shows it because she is willing to accept his love. Even if it was simply the scraps falling off the table, it is more than enough. Because the littlest bit of that love is more than enough. And God wants us to have so much more. Yeah? I think sometimes it's hard to trust in that love because there's like that that like you give of yourself and that love's taken away and so I think sometimes equating it to earthly relationships like that full trust where I think in that moment with the Canaanite Jesus was able to raise her dignity um, because he spoke truth into like just that little bit of love and that little bit of trust like to understand that as well but I think it's sometimes hard to trust in love and so I think there's a lot of unpacking that has to happen because of sin or because of woundedness I think I think you're absolutely true. Um, so I had formation yesterday, and this gospel was the homily that I was supposed to preach yesterday. Um, let me tell you, there's nothing more fun than a bunch of other deacons wannabes like ripping you apart for how you ended up interpreting whatever. <laughs> but um, there, you know, there's a like we we love our saints. That's like later on in RCI. I'm not going to explain saints today. We love our saints. But one of the greats in in in, in Catholic history is is Saint Augustine. And Augustine has this thing, he says, God wants to give you so much, and yet your hands are already full. God wants to give you so much, and yet your hands are already full. And how do we empty our hands to receive that love, that trust, that gift. So God is self-gift. God is self-giving. Let me ask you this. Why do we exist? Why is there us or 
this church or this earth or this universe instead of nothing. Right? Because there could be nothing. So why does all of this exist? I mean, we know God is creator, right? So God made this. Is it because God needed this? I mean, is there anything? That, did God need more stuff? We're getting ready to move. Oh, like my heart is broken. <laughs> Not because I love the house, but because I'm like, oh my gosh, I have. God doesn't need any of this stuff. So, why do we exist? Does, do, do we exist because he needs us to praise him? He needs us to tell him he's really cool or he's really great? Yeah, I'm pretty sure he really knows that. Like, like our tell doesn't bring him anything. You spend a lot of time on this. I think you get to only one answer. The reason there's something rather than nothing, the reason that there is you, is because God loves you so much, he can't imagine eternity without you. God loves you so much, he can't imagine eternity without you. He loves you like that. He is in love with you, and he can't imagine not being with you. We exist because God loves us. And the minute the second, the instance that God didn't love us, we would cease to exist. For there is no reason. And yet, we're all still here. Fun, funky question. Is God in hell? What was the answer? Yes. Okay, so now, right, you're like, Oh crap, like open my mouth. And he, now he's going to ask me, now he's going to ask me, like, why? Well, do you have a reason for that? I would, I would go with that. I can make it even a tad bit simpler. But you, you were on to it, right? If hell exists, God created it, and therefore he has to be there. Now, I would give you one more step. He wants to be there. Because there are creatures, there are people that he created that are there. And he can't imagine not being with them. Even though they've said, no, I don't want you, I don't. God cannot separate himself from those he loves. That, that is where we are going. All right? Uh, my seven-year-old daughter asked me yesterday if God created 
And your answer was? Yeah, I mean, he created everything. So yes. That's what we were talking about. He created yes. everything, so he must have created the devil. He did. I was like, that's a big question. <laughs> it, it is, and you know what? Bless her for asking that question. Right? Understanding that, that love. Right? That's our big leap, is to is to transition from God as a person, right? We talk about the three persons of the Trinity, and we transition from that to God is an action. God is love. Um, so a common statement is generally that um, hell is essentially eternal separation from uh, God. Uh, is that inconsistent with the statement that you just made, and if so, how? So... I don't think it's inconsistent because you, if you will, are making the decision to separate yourself from God. So yeah, hell, if you will, is the absence of that relationship, but it's not because God doesn't want to have that relationship. It's because you've decided to separate yourself. You are given that particular choice. That's really important. We'll get to this probably later on in RCIA, is that, that aspect of free choice. If my wife has to love me, does it really count very much? <laughs> now, I will tell you that my wife has to love me, right? At least that's how I believe it, right? But right, love has to be freely given, right? And that is why we have the ability to choose and accept God's love. And you are here because you feel that call, you are discerning that tug, you are trying to decide what and how do I respond to that. See how I'm making these transitions? It's almost like I know this stuff. St. Teresa of Alvila. There's a funny saying. I don't know that it actually happened. It's like one of these great stories, right? So um, she's famous for starting a number of, of, of convents and actually reforming a lot of convents that, that had, for whatever reason, like, you know, the church continues to like, oh my gosh, we have to renew ourselves. We have to, yeah, of course we have to renew ourselves. I'm looking at my house. Like, I have to continue to clean my house. I don't know where this stuff comes from and how it ends up in the corner over there or on the floor over, now maybe it's a dog, right? But the church is the same way. We have to continuously, if you go through and, and clean this. So she had done this with a bunch. So she's sitting with some of her novitiates and whatever else in a garden. And one of them says to her, says, you know, sister, right, you have told us about contemplation. You, 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 you encourage us in our prayer to contemplate. So, like, like what are we supposed to contemplate? Are, are, are we supposed to contemplate the scripture that we read today? Um, are we supposed to contemplate, say, you know, an image of, of Jesus, maybe a crucifix that we had seen? Um, like, you know, are we supposed to, a, a poem, a song? Like, what is it that we are supposed to, to contemplate? And she, pretend, picks up a leaf, falling from a tree, starting to turn a little bit brown. If you understand how much God loves this leaf and all that goes with his love of this leaf, you could contemplate just that for eternity. 
No offense, but y'all are way cooler than a leaf. So, where do we go? Started this, I said that <clears throat> the very first portion is, is, is our creed. You'll notice that our creed, if you, if you do it, which goes all the way back to Nicaea 400s. We made a couple of changes. Some of those didn't go so well. One of them kind of you know, helped with a kind of a schism, kind of, you know, great divide, 1052. So, but be that as it may. I believe in one God. I believe in Jesus Christ. I believe in the Holy Spirit. It's not doctrine, right? It's not I believe because or da 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 da. da. I believe. The whole of our faith is the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit in its entirety because that love, that relationship is everything for us and it is why we are called to be in relationship with God. It's why our hearts long for that, why we are incomplete. I will mean restless until I fall into love with God. It all comes from... So there isn't like lots of doctrine, if you will, in the Catholic Church. There's just the one aspect, the Trinity itself, and that separates us from all other faith. No other faith that mankind has ever had has the Creator becoming human. Stepping into it, not like a human, not like mostly human, not like, you know, I put on my human diving suit and then I come into the creation of the earth so that I can then come back out quick and take it off because it's really hot and stuffy. No. I became human to live in my creation as one of the created. No other faith has that. And that love, that complete self-giving, that culminates there, is the Christian faith. And so, what do we do with that? I mean, I kind of just laid... And mind you, it's really hard. Like, if I had, like, you know, two hours to do this, I could really make it so much heavier, but I only like, did this in, like, 15 minutes, so, you know, you got the light version of it. You know, like, 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 just, like, if I can really, like, chastise your child, like, if I had two hours to really tell them what they did wrong, then they would totally know, right? So, but, let me stop for a second. Like, like I said, I'm just frustrated here. I keep talking. How is this coming over so far? How does this coordinate with what you all had read? Like, on the one hand, it's like the simplest of things, and on the other, it's like, it's like the Big Bang. Like, you know, you pop this, it's like, oh my gosh, like everything else suddenly leaps from this. Scripture, love, sacraments, 
So how do you feel about it? Is it a little bit hard because your hands are still a little bit full? I have bad news for you. Like, let's assume that we are unbelievably perfectly successful in our CIA, which with Bernadette we will be, and we have completely freed your hands of absolutely everything that you ever carried so that you can totally receive God. And just like my house is going to end up getting dirty again. <laughs> as much as we try. And you know what? God loves that about us. And when we get to the act of reconciliation, because it's like, oh my gosh, your house is dirty. Invite me over. I'm here to help you clean. <laughs> like, like there's an answer, right, for each one of these things that all springs from this, right? The, the greatest gift ever. Like somebody loves you so much they're going to help you clean your house. Like my wife knows I love her when it's like, honey, the, the, the sink in the bathroom is really gross and it's stuck and I can't get any water in it. Will you please go in? You know, and you snap the rubber gloves on. When you come back out, the sink flows. It's like, that's, that's love. Yes. I think something that's always been a big, really big production is the idea of hell. I, I don't want to go too beyond what the topic is today, but if if God loves people and loves his creation, why why do you think he makes something like that? Like, could you repeat the question? Yeah, sure. So, why? If God is love and loves all of us, why is there a hell? Why would a God so full and complete in love create something like hell? Um, Bernadette, do we... I apologize. I know you sent me the spreadsheet, and if I had been good and perfect, I try to be good, and I know I'm not perfect. Do we do four, four last things? Yeah. Okay. I know, it's like we, we end up going, <laughs> so the four last things are heaven, hell, purgatory, and death, right? Death. So we actually will spend, I think, an entire class on specifically that, but don't let, I'm not going to leave you hanging, all right? We don't know anybody that's like been there and come back and kind of given us the lay of the land, so we can't absolutely say the same thing we can go about with regard to purgatory I will tell you that my wife is a convert she was in this class 30 something 35 36 years ago um, she still to this day struggles with the concept of purgatory she has been an, um, okay I married well ahead of my station in life like there is some prince or king someplace it's like why can I not find my betrothed, and it's like, dude, I got there first. I am so sorry for you. Like, I've married so far ahead of, of where I should have been. She has been with me throughout all of formation, has gone to every single one of the classes, all right? And, you know, she struggles with this. So it is okay 
to struggle with this. It really is, and it's not, it's not a weakness or anything else. I would tell you that I don't believe that God made a place so that he could put people there. I don't, I don't think that image of hell is the right one because, first of all, we're kind of then making hell a little bit in our three-dimensional world, and, and I don't think that that's where hell exists, although the dentist chair is really freaking close for me. Okay. Um, I think of hell as a place that we decide, by virtue of our actions here, that we will end up. Right? That, that is a choice of ours that we do that, right? Dante's Inferno um, has hell as not a place super hot like flames and fire and whatever else. In Dante's Inferno, it's actually freezing cold. And the devil, Satan himself, is at the very end of this frozen because he cannot move. Because he has left himself with no love whatsoever, not even the teeniest spark of love. So there is no heat and he is frozen solid. By his own choice, he has put himself in that position. And I think that's probably a better way for us to think about hell as a choice that we make. And we have to have that choice so that our decision to love has value. It is a choice that we can make. Like back to my wife, she has to love me. And she would tell me, <laughs> does that help? Yeah. It's a great, I mean, it's a great question. And by the way, I mean, I'm, I'm speaking, don't let anything sit on your heart. As you go through this, this process, 
ask, ask the questions without a doubt, because I can guarantee you there's not anything that you're thinking about that probably somebody else isn't also thinking about. Yeah. yeah. I had a guy that I, I worked with years and years ago, and uh, he was a little bit older than I was, so he got started on family earlier than I did. And he had he a had, uh, son and a daughter, and they were kind of, you know, I don't know, six, seven years old, something like that, eight years old. And they're like, Dad, I really want to, like, I really want to take karate. So he's like, okay. So he started taking them to karate class. And, you know, over the course of a year or two, he continued to watch them advance and advance and belts and belts and belts. And then it hits him. He's like, holy crap. I better go take karate, too. Because we're not very far from away from like, you know what, Dad, I'm taking the car, and what are you going to do? <laughs> so he's like, I better take some karate. And so he goes through the process, and he eventually attains a black belt. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, that's so great. Like, you know, you've kind of like, you know, achieved, like, right, Mount Everest, right? That, oh, that's so awesome, right, a black belt on karate. He's like, no, 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 no. You know, my sensei said, now you can finally start to learn. And so I will tell you that you know, with your entry into the church, it's on the one hand your black belt, and it's like you are now get to start at the base of the mountain, and the climb is unbelievably beautiful. I, I have, I people say, oh, I bet you can't wait to be ordained. I'm like, oh my gosh, are you kidding me? I've had the most fun these last five years. You know, learning and deepening my faith, what I've been able to learn in prayer and 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 just the richness of the. Like, oh my gosh, it's unbelievable. It's like, wait, but I don't get to go do that anymore? Like, oh yeah, you can still do that. Yeah, but we also want you to come over here and go do some other stuff. And so I get to do this. I'm like, okay, wait a minute. This is really cool. Why didn't I sign up for this like earlier? So what is our response to that love? That God is love. He can't live without us. He can't imagine eternity without us. The infinite, the, the infinite aspect. What, what, what do we, what do we do? Say thank you. That's not bad. I mean, it's a decent enough start, I suppose. of love, not our definition of love, right? Because it's very widespread these days with people saying, God is love, like he wants the best for me. 
but what what does that really mean right it's according to his plan and we have to be obedient to learn how he designed us to be in relationship with him and live our lives and not just oh this makes me happy god wants me to be happy i'll do this Sometimes it's not easy when you hear this gospel today, right, to remember that you are the Canaanite woman. He has traveled for days to come see you and to hear what you need and to make it happen as you wish. So one of my favorite Bible verses, and then I'll tell you, like, I didn't actually memorize it, so I'll probably get it a little bit wrong, but it's from the 34th chapter of Jeremiah. And Jeremiah's telling the people, right, he's standing in for God, he's like, you know, I am going to remove from you your stony hearts, and I am going to give you natural hearts, and I am going to put my spirit in you. Like, I cannot think of a better verse for what you all are going through here, I would tell you I cannot think of a better verse than what I've been going through in my formation. I cannot think of a better verse for my wife as she has walked with me. I cannot think of a better verse that once you become fully part of the Catholic Church that will describe your next day and your day after that and your day after that. To your point, when we receive that spirit, Father eternally and completely giving to Son, who completely gives to the Father, and the ramifications of that are the spirit itself. It is God's love itself, which has been there since the beginning in us. Then we can become the light of the world and the salt of the earth. But we have to be willing to say, <laughs> let it be done unto me as you say. And that is wickedly hard. My last little story for you all. Um, my wife and I started doing marriage prep um, years and years and years ago because we'd met this spectacular couple who did marriage prep for us when we got married here at the cathedral. And um, Bonnie and Jim um, are still great friends of ours. Um, they have gone on to heaven, or as they tell you, it's living in, in South Bend and, you know, being around Notre Dame. Um, Bonnie was actually, she actually was, she was my executive assistant for, for a number of years. So I'm like, Bonnie, like, <laughs> I should be your executive assistant. She's like, no, 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 I can use the insurance, and I'll put up with you. And we would have this race in the morning to get to the office, because if she got there first, she would make me coffee the way that she thought I was supposed to drink it, and if I got there first, I would make coffee the way that I like to drink it, and those weren't the same thing. But... In, in the, I don't know, see, mine's a terrible thing to waste. I just went off on this, this tangent. Um, um, I was going to tell you something about marriage prep. Yeah. It'll come back to me after I leave. <laughs> Send you all an email. It was really good. Just take my word for it. It was, it was so <laughs> wickedly good. All right, so now I think I've covered, what is, what is my timing? You probably should have told me that before you let me, like, wind me up and, 
Oh, cool. That's so good. Well, we could. Let me ask this. So, we've done a lot. Questions. Like, I'm hoping that as this goes on, you don't end up with more instructors like me. Like, you get to spend more time amongst yourselves talking and, and getting the feedback. That's, like, way better than, than, than this. But I kind of felt, I mean, I justify myself, because that's always really good. Justify yourself, because then you'll go to bed and feel better at night, right? Um, because of the complexity of this, because of this mystery, right? Do not feel bad that you don't fully grasp, because you can't. If you do grasp whatever you get your hands on, I can guarantee you, is not truth, it's heresy. So don't feel bad that you can't get your hands around it. But if you can accept the action of love, then you've gotten everything you need to know about the Trinity, and then you got to know everything that there is about the church that is important and good, because it comes from he who is perfect and who is eternal. Yeah. Um, like, so, like, obviously, like, I, I grew up Protestant. I believe in, like, the Trinity. Mm -hmm. I know there's, like, Unitarians and stuff that don't. What's the big deal, really, between, like, because in the Nicene Creed, we say that, like, you know, we believe in, like, the, you know, God, the Jesus, and the Holy Spirit and stuff. What's really, like, the big deal with it being separate versus, you know, a unified? <clears throat> so, in, in, when you look at, the actions of theology and, and this, you know, as we try to understand, you know, the complexity of, you know, the, the Holy Spirit, we come to a couple of parts. The first is that if God isn't three persons, then God isn't in relationship. And we can then get our hands around the idea of God as love because he's, if you will, he's all by himself. So that doesn't square with what we know he's revealed to us, right? The other side of it, though, is we can go too far the other direction. And we create too much idea around the persons themselves. And now it looks like three gods rather than one. And there aren't three. And now we start to, that, that multideism now starts taking us down a different path and a different heresy. And so there's been a lot of things within the church in terms of trying to reconcile those. Because in order for there to be a person, right, to love, there has to be enough identity associated with that. Otherwise, it's just kind of a nicest. So how do we get to a Holy Spirit that, that exists enough and we can see enough that that is a person, right, rather than just, you know, you know ephemeral whatnot. So it's easy to some extent in, in Christ to see the person, but then even that, well, you know, he wasn't fully God because he became man. Well, now we've got a, a heresy that goes that direction because he is fully God and fully man. Right? So each of these aspects, we can wrap ourselves around trying to explain in, in more explicit detail, trying to justify aspects of you know, each one of, of the readings that we've had, um, you know, um, uh, the Colossians has got you know a wonderful phrase in it that Paul has. It's in it's in the uh, the the end of the first chapter of Colossians, and even that ends up being you know firstborn among the dead. Well, if he's firstborn, then he couldn't always be, right? And so now we wrap ourselves around. Well, remember 
actually Paul steals that. That actually pre-exists Paul. Several of, of the things that we see in Paul, because Paul wrote his epistles before the Gospels end up kind of getting really circulated around. So Paul's pulling stuff that already existed from the church. You know, because this is about, you know, 20 or 30 years after Christ's death that this kind of all, so this stuff is already starting. They didn't actually have it perfect. They're still struggling with it themselves. I mean, Jesus was just here, and he didn't tell us everything. So we have to kind of get through some of those things. So the complexity of that is, is us trying to put too fine a detail. Now, the masters in theology will do this way better than me, but this is how I reconcile it with myself, is that I know that God wants me to understand that he is love, I, for me, that I, I, I gets me far enough. Like, I don't, and it's not that we can't, and, and believe me, the, the church has got some really good stuff in terms of the complexity of that. Um, we don't get it right until, you know, the Byzantine fathers, right? And that, that takes us about 450 years after Christ before we even start to get our hands around it. And part of the problem with that is, is trying to even reconcile it with language. Like, like language itself didn't have enough complexity to be able, Latin can't get you there, right? You needed some of the Greek, but the problem with the Greek is you're bringing aspects of Greek mythology with you, which doesn't work and you can't lay that on top of Christianity. So like, we're already like, holy cow, like, we gotta, which is why I said we got to go back to agape. Like, like, language ends up being one of these huge barriers for us in, amongst ourselves. I tell you, my, my day job, you know, I, I manage money. We, you know, we, we use the same words, right? You know, we talk about something, you know, uh, this aspect of a portfolio or, or this aspect of a risk asset or whatever. And I started to realize, like, we're not even talking the same thing. Like, you look at this complete, like, wait, we're in the same industry. We're speaking English. You know, we ain't speaking English. So we have that same problem with aspects of this, too. I did have one other. Yes, please. Mm -hmm. souls. Do, can people accept God after death? Like if they go reject God their whole life and end up in hell, like can they accept God after death or is there sort of like a final you know, cut off like that's it, like you rejected me your whole life so you know you're here. So our faith teaches that once we die we've, we've made our final decision. Right. This was, was you know. Is that your final answer? You know, death kind of is. Yep. That's your that's your final answer. Um, and we see that in the gospel. Remember that um, you know the rich man had died, right? And and uh, and and Lazarus is with with Father Abraham. He says, please send him down. Right. You know, there's a chasm we can't we can't get across. This. You you've made your choice in life, and now this is where you are in death. God still loves, but that decision is, is, is already there. there. There is a finality to the choices that we end up making, and we, we believe that that happens at death. If not, then what's the point of life? Right? Be as wicked as you want, go to hell, and then say, okay, now I'd like, I've been here, and I really don't like it. Now can I, can I vote myself off the island? And, 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 and the answer is no. That, that, then that makes our existence like, kind of useless. All right, I want to read you one last thing. On, oh, oh, yeah, please. Gosh, this is great. Yes, keep going. I have a couple questions. All one right. Question and a follow-up question. 
I am Sam Frondorf, which means village of women in German. <laughs> Frauendorf, right? Fraulein. So there actually is a, there actually is a small town. There used to be. I don't know if it's in in Germany. Frauendorf. I think what happened when they came over, they asked them what their name was, and they thought, where are you from? And they said, Frauendorf. Oh, I wrote it down. That's what happened to Ellis. Okay. I, I hope my question isn't controversial. I hope it is. So, where did you get your perception of hell? Like, the idea that it could be anything that we perceive it to be. So, we don't know. Uh, the great fathers of the church, including Aquinas, um, have written extensively on, on aspects of that as, as you know, people discern and pray, but, but we, don't, we don't know. So the idea, the question of, of could God be in hell, actually Aquinas pondered that very question and, and wrote about it. Um, his, he's got a famous uh, uh, thing, it's called the, the, the Summa, right? Summa Theologica. And the entire thing is questions and answers, and that's because at that time, in the 1200s, that's how like, teaching was done. Right? It was always like question, answer, kind of a, kind of a, a, they call it a Socratic style. You know, ask a question, and then he would say, okay, well, it's this and this, but then it could be this and this, and then finally, okay, well, here's the actual answer. <laughs> it's, it's hilarious to read, right? It's, it's, but, so, it's not, I would love to tell you that it's mine because I, I've had some great conversations with God, and he explained it to me, but no. <laughs> well, see, now I don't know if my follow-up question makes sense now. No, go ahead. The lake of fire. I cannot, because I have not been to hell, and I hope I never go to see it. That was just based off of what I thought your perception of hell was. Oh, and then the final question, I promise. Does the Catholic Church not believe we exist to worship and praise God? So we can go to Genesis. And Genesis tells us that God created us to love him. He created us to be with him. He created earth and asked for us to take care of it for him. Um, there's some beautiful writings in Jewish scripture, Jewish literature, after what we see of in the, you know, the, our Old Testament. Because, right, I mean, Jews continued on, and there's some wonderful... And one of the things that they write about is they start trying to kind of grasp in this idea of, of eternity, like of, of resurrection, right, of you know, life after death. And... Many of the writings imagine us going back to the Garden of Eden and being in that place again, and we are now able and allowed to eat from the Tree of Life. Right, like all of it gets repaired, if you will, in in, in aspects of, of Jewish resurrection history. So that is what we've been created to do, and God gives us the luxury of freely choosing to go ahead and do that or not. But we were made to love Him because He loves us but he does not force us to love him. Does that, does that help? Yeah. But not yet? No, it does, it does. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Sam. Yeah. I'm going to I'm I'm going to tap out like yeah. theologians. <laughs> I think next week's class is going to really help with that because we're going to talk about divine revelation and sort of um, interpretation in scripture because that looks different in different faiths and I think the Catholic perspective on that. So I think 
that will help us understand that piece of it a little bit better. I, I agree. And to make certain that you read, the video on that one is pretty good. And make sure you read this chapter on, uh, it's called The Divine Unveiling, because it, it really is about how we look at scripture uh, that is not just simply literal. I, I'm going to read one last thing for you all, and that will be the end of me for today, at least for you all, Then my wife has to go deal with me. Um, you know, um, one thing that we, we, we Christians love to do, and certainly we Catholics, you know, being kind of penultimate among Christians. Oh, by the way, i got to tell you a joke. So, a um, person of, of, of Muslim faith ends up dying, ends up going to heaven. So sorry. Yes, yes, yeah. So um, a, a Muslim, right? Person of Muslim faith lived, a, you know, a very holy life, dies and, and goes to heaven, and she ends up with Saint Peter, you know, at the gates. I mean, I'm Catholic, so I gotta have Saint Peter at least in my joke, right? And Saint Peter welcomes her, and and when it says, you know, here's your here's your welcome packet, you know, here's your name tag, da da da, and then I want you to go down the hall, um, down to room, you know, 116. Please be quiet when you go past room 108. She's like, okay, so she goes in. And then later on, a Jew passes away, comes up. St. Peter welcomes him. Here's your packet. Oh, so glad you're here. We've been looking forward to you. Okay, I want you in room 123 down the hallway. Please be quiet when you go past room 108. Right? So then a Mormon passes away, 